So on today's episode, we interview one of the co-founders of Unbound Merino. They're a four-year-old, four million plus men's apparel brand that use only Australian Merino wool. It's a high-performance, sustainable fiber that can be worn for weeks without the need to be washed. Now, what you're about to listen to is the story from Indiegogo to direct-to-consumer. You don't want to miss this one. Do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because... Yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability. That was a real that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic. Uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast hosted by Kunle Campbell. Welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. The interview you're about to listen to is my chat with Dam Dembski. He's the co-founder of Unbound Merino. This is a very interesting story. It's a very interesting conversation. As I said earlier, Unbound Merino is a apparel brand exclusively for men. They do t-shirts, they do underwear and they do shorts and it's really for the traveling man you if you've you know traveled long haul you know how sticky your clothes can get and because you know most clothes are either made with cotton or they're made with synthetic materials that need a wash you know every everywhere essentially now what these guys did is they they realized that uh, merino wool when stretched and thinned out can be finer and more comfortable than cotton so it's an expensive material but they were able to put an apparel brand explain the product in an indiegogo campaign and they just blew it up. The initial Indiegogo campaign was for about $30,000 and they managed to raise over close to $400,000 on Indiegogo. And they moved, after Indiegogo, they moved their operations to to, to a direct-to-consumer Shopify-hosted website. Now, what you're about to listen to is their journey from idea to 
Indiegogo and their transition from Indiegogo to direct consumer e-commerce, how they use performance marketing, SEO, and word of mouth to continue to tell their story. And some of the challenges they've had recently with the coronavirus you know, epidemic. It's a super interesting um, convo you want to listen to. You're going to hear about their tech stack. You're going to hear about, you know, marketing tactics all through at various stages over the last four years at various stages of the growth of their business. It's He's a very open book and you're, you're just going to get a lot, a ton of value with lots of references. So if you are, um, if you can take notes for this one, I would suggest you take notes or keep listening and then come back to this episode and, you know, take notes that will, you know, apply to you. Remember, this podcast is brought to you by Clavio. They're the number one email marketing platform out there. Actually, on Bound Marino, do use Clavio. He mentions it. Dan mentions it over this interview. And it's also brought to you by the best backup solution for big commerce and Shopify stores. It's Rewind backups.io. If you head over to rewind.io and you mention 2x e-commerce, they will give you a 30-day trial instead of a normal seven days. Anyway, you're going to listen more detail about from our sponsors and then you're going to jump in and just listen to this conversation I had. I think it was over an hour um, I had with, with Dam Dembski. It's, it's super fascinating. As I said, he's an open book you you really love this conversation if you're looking for a pathway between crowdfunding for the uh, for the launch of a product through to launching an actual d2c brand from crowdfunding because he says they're two distinct things so yeah have a good one i will catch you at the end of the show and um yeah ta-da the 2x e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business by taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklyn, Non, and Chubbies. Build your customer list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash 2x. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and big commerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. 
It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, that extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind backups. Remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Hi, 2Xers. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. And this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. Now, if you're looking to grow metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, and ultimately sales, well, what I do is I you know, try and find either experts or people who have actually done it, You know, people who have actually grown businesses, and I get them on to the show. My phone's, you know, on... Need to go on um, um, off actually, but I get them on the show essentially, and um, I, I I drill them, squeeze, try and get as much you know info as possible. Now on today's show, which I'm you know very very super excited about, I have Dan Tomiski. He is the co-founder of Unbound Merino. Now Unbound Merino sources. Ultimate performance fiber, which is merino, fully natural stuff. You know, you you, you know the merino um, cardigans and stuff like that. Um, basically, they use it for t-shirts and um, just really nice t-shirts that last long. And the interesting thing about merino walls, wool in general, is it you, you don't rec- you don't need to wash it that often. They're almost like you know a pair of jeans. And um, I I've, I found that. Um, a, a lot of um, the, the narrative around this brand is the fact that you don't need to, to to wash your clothes. And, you know, I haven't actually discussed this with Dan, which we're going to talk about, but there's a really nice sustainability theme to this. And um, we'll be addressing this in this conversation. I think I've babbled a long enough, um, but without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dan Dembski to, to the show. Welcome. Hey, Dan. thank you so much for having me. It's, it's super awesome to be here. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So um, where are you dialing from? And um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm in Toronto, Canada. Um, I guess my entire working career, I've been an entrepreneur. I, I've had many jobs throughout my you know teenage and young adult life, but never a career out. Like I never got a paycheck from a, a career job uh, since I was on my own. I I've been working for myself in, in various capacities. Um, Unbound Marino is my fourth business. Um, it's my second e-commerce business. Well, actually, it's my third, but the second that I founded. And uh, I'm having the time of my life doing it. I'll leave you to the questions if you want to get specific. But, you know, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm creating now a brand where uh, the product is so authentically something I relate to. It's so mm-hmm. authentically me. The marketing for it is easy in that note. And I, I just love every day and love the hustle of it, love the grind of it. And 
I feel like I'm in the right place with this business. Fantastic. Fantastic. What are your, this is a very, very, very top level question, but what, what are your thoughts about coronavirus and direct to consumer e-commerce, which is the space you're in? Well, it's shaken up everyone's business. Some businesses have absolutely exploded. Some businesses have completely imploded. Some have stayed a little bit static. Um, For us, we're in an interesting place. Being an e-commerce business, this is a good place to be. Mm E-commerce is a lifeline for a lot of people through this pandemic because it's the way people are consuming anything and buying all of their goods. The challenge for us is we built this business on the on the back of being a travel product, that was the niche that we selected. Now, we didn't need to focus entirely on that, that niche, but that was our choice for marketing so that we can narrow our marketing, have a focus, have a yeah. way in. And when people purchase our product for the purpose of traveling, they realize it goes so much beyond travel. The benefits of it are not just for travel, but that's the niche we picked. So when c- coronavirus hit and the entire travel industry went to a a grinding halt, um, our sales have absolutely plummeted Mm. and it was really scary. Um, so we just rolled up our sleeves and felt, well, what, what is it that we need to do? And we deployed a few strategies. The first was we need to pivot all of our messaging first on our marketing Mm -hmm. and then throughout all of the copy on our website and everything to being broader and more general than travel. Yeah. Um, and as we did that, our sales started to climb right back up and they climbed back up to where they were before. Now we're a pretty young company. We've been, had our e-commerce store for about three and a half years now. And we've, we've, our sales have accelerated quite a bit year after year. We doubled in revenue from the first, the second, second, the third, uh, zero first. So each year we doubled and our sales, all of a sudden plummeted and we got them right back to where they were before. And then we said, okay, well now we need to get really creative. And we started doing all these other things to get our sales to continue to go on the same trajectory they were before. And on that note, I think coronavirus has been really good for us because a lot of the things that we started doing, we could have been doing all along, but we weren't. Mm. Perhaps we were a little bit lazy because mm. our sales were growing quite steadily with what we were doing. We weren't, we weren't grinding to figure out what is, what's the other, what are the other things that we can do? Mm. So we're in a, a much healthier position than we were before, but it was at it. We came with a really scary, you know, it must've been really month. scary mm. at first. We're like, wow, we were, we're doing so well. And now we're doing terribly. Mm. Um, but you know, the, I think everyone knew e-commerce was going to continue to grow, but I think it's, no. it's it's jumped ahead ten years because of exactly. coronavirus. So exactly, it's an exciting time to be in this in the world of e-commerce for sure. Yeah, yeah, and we're hoping it would stick some of these habits. You know, this um, you know, well, customer habits, consumer shopping habits will, will will stick, and you know, e-commerce will cement itself really in um, in our cultural um, you know um, narrative and structure essentially. Okay, so. Um, you guys started out in with a crowdfunding campaign three and a half, four years ago on Indiegogo. Should we rewind back then? But before that, do you share your revenue figures publicly or is it something you, you keep internally? 
Um, we're we're going to do about five million US in revenue this year. Okay. So what was the what's the pathway from zero to to five million over the last three and a half years? What did you do in year one, year two, and um, you know year three? Well, when we were launching this business, you know, we weren't sure how to get into the clothing industry. We had no previous knowledge or experience with clothing. I mean, I was making some socks in my other business, but, you know, making t-shirts is a whole different ordeal. And um, we, so we did a crowdfunding campaign uh, because that was just the way that we could build this concept of a business while we still had our other businesses and jobs. Um, we didn't have the capital to take a risk and start something new. So it was a way of us finding the product market fit. And it took us about a year and a half. And there's a lot that went into that and a lot that we could go into if you were interested. But at the end of the, at the, end of the campaign, we were trying to get $30,000 in pre-sales. We, had, we got 300000 And then in the in-demand phase after, we got another 100000 So we did $400,000 in pre-sale revenue. And that was the start to this business. And that did a couple things for us. One, it gave us that capital we needed. Two, it gave us the confidence that we found this product market fit in this new product. And we thought, wow, this is, I left my other company. I walked away, didn't sell it. I gave it to my business partner. Um, and I said, I'm going all in on this. And that was a risk because I didn't know that this was a real business. Yeah. What I did know is that we had an inkling to think that we might have a real business. We had a, we had a, we had a start, but if we didn't have a website, an e-commerce website, and we didn't have people going to that website and we didn't have those people buying from our website, we don't have a business. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the website yet. So I went into this, you know, this almost like a purgatory where I was in between this starting a real business and having a successful crowdfunding campaign. I left my other business I stopped taking a salary. I had a little bit of savings, which I evaporated very, very quickly as we set up a website and tried to make a go at creating a real business. And in December of 2016, we launched our website and we had a Shopify template we really liked. We took a lot of the photo assets and, and copywriting assets that we had from our crowdfunding campaign and we started to piece it into the Shopify template. And I'll never forget this one morning. We used to meet you know, twice a week in the mornings, we go to a coffee shop and I was at a Starbucks with my two other co-founders and we were going to plug some photography into our website template, which was now up. Now we didn't launch the website yet, but the website was now up and running. If you went to unboundmarino.com, it was there. And we were on the back end, and to our surprise, there was at least a dozen orders. People have come to our website. Now we were shocked because we never announced this website. We didn't launch it in any kind of formal launch. Mm -hmm. But people were finding us and buying stuff off us. And we yeah. thought, holy, I can't believe these people are, are like, this, it was such a shock. So we, we were at the Starbucks. We ran to our, our storage locker where we had our inventory, which we now had. We've got to fulfill these orders. So we fulfilled these orders. And that was the start. And from there, it just never stopped. We had from our crowdfunding campaign, we had this word of mouth finger that was going, and that was what we built the business on. It's mm -hmm. like people like our stuff. They're telling their friends about us. They're coming back to buy more stuff. That's really exciting. Mm -hmm. So um, 
that was the start of our first year and how we took it. So we did a million dollars in revenue in our first year. And mm. we did that not just on the back of word of mouth and, and, and returning customers. We decided that we needed to focus our energy into one marketing channel. And mm. we chose Facebook ads because mm. we kept hearing, you know, there was nothing more than that. We just kept hearing Facebook ads are incredibly powerful. It's the best, uh, advertising platform the world has ever seen and blah, blah, blah. So we hired a, a consultant we probably couldn't afford, mm. gave us insane knowledge on how to do crowdfunding. I mean, mm. not crowdfunding, uh, Facebook ads. Facebook and, ads. And uh, our background from our previous business, which was a video production agency, gave us a little bit of a, an advantage where we had the ability to make our own videos and make our own and take our own photography. Creatives, yeah. Yeah, we could sort of, hobbled together some good ads and one of our yeah. one of my business partners is a creative director at an ad agency so he had the confidence to do some really good ad copy mm-hmm. so we had that in our tool belt i don't think you need all that in your tool belt you can do it without what we had but it gave us a little bit of an advantage mm-hmm. and we focused all our energy on facebook ads and it just went off like we were our return on ad spend was so high you know with so fast that we started to just our biggest problem was we, we couldn't hold inventory long enough. It was this is 2017, out. right? 2017. Yeah, yeah. 2017, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. So yeah. um, the biggest problem we had at that point was we were selling our stuff so fast that we had to we, we couldn't keep inventory in. Okay. So we'd, have, we'd, get, we'd irritate people and say, why are you advertising? You don't have enough stock. I want to buy a medium black T-shirt. You don't have medium black T-shirts. So... Sure. All of the challenges that we had started to become good ones, but they were, yeah. we were just selling hand over yeah. fist and it was great. It was so great so how, how, how did you tackle the inventory problem in 2017? We just worked with people who could help us forecast. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked with one guy. We've sort of built a model for forecasting that after about a year, we realized it was really faulty. We were just still not getting the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, our accountant is a, a good friend. Um, he's very intimate with the business. He started helping us figure out some, some things that we could do to, to better forecast. And, you know, it's, it's one of the most challenging things in an inventory holding business is to forecast properly because mm-hmm. you don't want the mistakes are very costly. And if you buy too much of one thing that you're not selling, all you're doing is taking money that Bad could money. be in a different item that is selling. So it's, it's really finding the balance, knowing what you're okay selling out with. And we're still to this day tinkering with how do you manage that? It's, 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 it's challenging with apparel. So many sizes and colors to, to contend with. And depending where you're sourcing from, we do a lot of sourcing overseas. You're dealing with four month lead times, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, so, was going to ask you about sourcing. Yeah. But go for it. We do, we source, we do uh, a lot of our manufacturing right here in Canada. Mm-hmm. We do some stuff in China. We're looking mm-hmm. at doing Central America and Vietnam too. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about overseas stuff, when you have a four month lead time, you have to not only buy enough stuff to that you'll need in four months, you have to anticipate how much are you going to need for the four months that follow that 
with the growth that you're going to have, because yeah. it's going to take you four months to get in. And then when you place your other order, it's going to take another four months. So having the rhythm and cadence of how often do you order and can meet your minimum order quantities, <clears throat> it is a complete science. And um, that's three times a year. You have to get it right those three times or else you'll, you know, you could have a re you have really bad quarters. For us, if we have to have it right consistently throughout the whole year. Yeah. You're yeah, right but, about, I know what you yeah. mean with this, yeah. with the, you know, you can't mess up black Friday. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's uh you can't mess up the holiday season. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's like, what we notice is if we don't have the right skews in and then we have our core products, any one of them could throw off our entire conversion rate. Mm -hmm. And that's largely because we sell lots of things in bundles. And that's a really good strategy that we have is, is, we focus on not just selling a single t-shirt, but selling bundles because it raises that average order value. Oh, really well, yeah. Instead of people buying a single t-shirt, we're trying, we're giving them uh, an incentive to buy two t-shirts, two pairs of underwear, two pairs of socks. That's mm -hmm. our most popular thing we sell. It's six items. But if we run out of medium underwear, we can no longer sell that bundle to anyone mm -hmm. who wears a medium pair of underwear. Mm. And that completely drops our average order value because it's significant. And it drops our conversion rate because people look at the things and say, well, I would have wanted to buy this bundle. And, and we notice it immediately. If we're mm. out of a core item, uh, our conversion rate drops drastically. We see it immediately. Interesting. Let's talk about Merino itself, the, the sure. material. I've always thought Merino was, you know, um, the alternative to cashmere. Um, intent for for winter. So I've always thought to, to I've always thought about it to be a, a kind of wool that you used to warm yourself up. Um, mm -hmm. It's obviously I'm obviously wrong. You know that that entire impression. No, so, well you're right. So, that is merino wool. Merino wool yeah. is uh, out for outerwear. Okay. Um, you you can have a, a scarf or a winter hat made of merino wool. And a lot of people, when they come to our website, they think that that's what we're selling. And we all, yeah. it is the same wool, but with different weights and different finenesses. So I'm wearing a t-shirt now. If you saw me in person, you might think I was wearing a cotton t-shirt. Yes. It's merino wool. It's super fine merino wool. So this is different than the kind of merino wool that you would wear as a, like a, a, a thick, chunky scarf. Okay. And people think, well, is it itchy? No, it's not itchy because no. of the fineness of the fiber is it's finer than that of definitely other wool, but even that of a cotton fiber. So it feels softer than cotton. It feels smooth to the skin. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a wool allergy, this is softer and, 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 and smoother on your skin than cotton is by far. Um, and it's breathable. It's breathable. It's temperature regulating. Um, you know, if you're, if it's hot outside, it, the way it, it displaces like the, the, the heat, it moisture wicks away. It actually draws heat away from your body, but it also is naturally insulating when it's cold. So it works. That's a, that's a natural property of wool for as a defense for the Merino sheep. Yeah. They in, in New Zealand and Australia, this is where the sheep where all Merino wool sheep, all Merino sheep are, or most of them anyway. Um, they deal with some really, really humid and hot temperatures and really, really cold temperatures as well, but they have these big coats. So the coat is insulating and it's, and it's cooling at the same time. So you're taking that fiber and you're making a t-shirt that performs in that way that these animals deal with the extremities and you're dealing with it on 
you know, going on a vacation. And it's literally one of the best performing fabrics. It's all natural. So when people discover that it's not just outdoor winter wear, sometimes it's mind blowing for them. It's it's, it's a, it's a hurdle to overcome. They have to say, I I can't understand why you'd want to wear a t-shirt made of wool, but when they wear it, they're like, wow, this is the best material that I've ever Interesting. Interesting. Did you start selling bundles from the get-go since 2017 or um, did you implement, did you realize that, Oh, you know, AOV is low. Um, let's, let's figure this thing out. No. Well, we started doing it because when our crowdfunding campaign, the way it works is you have different um, tiers. So you can sell a t-shirt, but you know, you, if you ever look at any crowdfunding campaign, you back this one for you you build them out so you can have different backers at different tiers of value. And what we did is we tried to think, well, what are the ways that we're going to create things that are $250 or $300? Mm -hmm. And it was having more products. So we naturally just bundled things for the crowdfunding campaign. And then we did a lot of revenue on the crowdfunding campaign on that. We thought, well, of course, this is the way we're going to you know, also we created packaging to send bundles to to our first yeah. customers. Yeah. So yeah. We set up to do it. It was very natural for us to do that on our website. Yeah. 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 Just carried it over. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's go back to the crowdfunding campaign. What I want us to serve, um, so cover is your crowdfunding to today and then um, we'll do the usual stuff. So, when, what do you think, how, why do you think the crowdfunding was successful? And did you use any tactics like reaching out to the media um, to, to generate that or, you know, getting a few friends and relatives to, 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 to back the, the project initially? What did you do that made you absolutely smash your target. I mean, it was 30,000 and you did 400,000. That's more than 10X, 15X mm. or, or thereabouts. What was the, I'm sure a lot of people were wondering, you know, how did they do it? We can't brush that out because that was the genesis to what we have today. Well, look, I was in a place in my life where I, I needed this to work. I didn't want, I, I didn't like my other business. I was tired. I was drained. I, if I, if this didn't work, I, I was going to apply for a job, which is something I've never done before mm. in my work, in my career. I've worked for many jobs as a kid, but like this was, I, I was an entrepreneur from the, from when I was 22 years old and you know, I'm 35 now. So over 10 years and an entrepreneur and I'm like, I'm at, I'm at the end of the rope, man. Like if I, if, if this doesn't work, then I don't know what I'm going to do. So I really wanted this thing to work. So we left no stone left unturned when we were planning this thing out. But I, if I had to, to, to look back and say, what were the, the couple things that really made it work? The, the first and foremost one I would definitely talk about is involving friends and family. And it's, the reason why you want to do that. So we worked with Indiegogo, not Kickstarter. And the reason why we picked Indiegogo is because them being the smaller of the two platforms, they invest a lot more in their customer service. So we had an account person that was there to answer questions, to help us get this campaign set up with Kickstarter. They're a little bit bigger. They don't really provide that service to new 
campaigns who have no history with them. So what Indiegogo made a deal with us and they said, if you can reach 30% of your crowdfunding goal within the first 48 hours, we'll feature you in our newsletter. And that's a really, really powerful piece of marketing. It, we have, I don't remember how many people they had on their mailing list, but it was, you know, north of a hundred thousand people and it's a, tons of people buy from it. So if you're in it, you're going to get a lot of sales. So okay. the big secret is we really needed $70,000 to launch this business, not 30,000. The reason why we went after 30,000 is because it was easier to get 30% of 30,000 than it was 70,000. Yeah. And we figured if we got 30,000, hit a hundred, we maybe get some momentum and then we get to that 70,000 um, a little bit easier. So what I did for the month leading up to our crowdfunding campaign is I reached out to every single person that I knew that was friend or family or a, an acquaintance close enough that I was comfortable asking them to support our campaign. And I reached out to them all and I just said, in about a month from now, we're going to have a crowdfunding campaign. And this is what it's all about. I've been working so hard on this for a year and a half. And can I bug you closer then? Would you maybe be interested in supporting just by buying a t-shirt or something? And for everyone that said yes, I put their name onto a spreadsheet. And then when it was a couple of days before the campaign launch, what I did is I turned on my webcam and, you know, let's just say it was for, my buddy, Joe. So I put a vid, my hit record. I'd be like, Joe, so good uh, to have connected with you. I hope you're doing well. This is just to let you know that crowdfunding campaign I told you about, it's launching today. And I know you said that you would support us. Um, I'm not sure if you still can, if you can't, it's totally no pressure, but if you can, it's, you know, it would mean the world to me and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I throw in some inside jokes and, you know, I made so many of these videos that I was drinking some whiskey that started getting a little bit tipsy by the end of it. Some of them got crazy, but what this did was instead of me sending, have you ever gotten an inbox message in your messenger or something or email yeah. where it's a friend of yours and hey can you uh vote for me on on this uh thing or i yeah. launched this new business can you back and whatever and you could tell it's a copy and paste yeah so these messages are so easy to ignore because you know that you they're not thinking of you they're just thinking you're sending this out to as many people as possible how many times did you do this how many, how many videos how, how many videos did you make probably about a hundred Whoa. Okay. That's awesome. Did you, yeah, so, was this, so, was this your initiative or did you learn it from somewhere? No, we made this one up and, and, Whoa. and, and, okay. and that's, uh, that's a growth hack right there. Yes. Yes. Because I'll tell you the difference. Instead of getting one of these mass messages, you're yeah. getting a video thumbnail in your Facebook messenger. Yeah. It has your name. So it said Joe.mpeg or whatever it said, or yeah. I Cause I was wondering, cause when you said email, I was like, Hmm, how did you send a video by email? But now that you say Facebook messenger, everybody wants to play a video on Facebook messenger or WhatsApp. There's a, there's a video with a play button and you see my face and it says your name. I have, right? to, I have to watch that. You're at least going to play now. Now, if you don't want to support us or maybe it's bad timing financially, you don't want to spend 50 bucks on an, an expensive t-shirt. Um, it's totally fine. But what it does warrant is a response because you know, this wasn't a mass message. I personally reached out and I, talk to you. I talked to the individual 
And every single person that said that they would back got a video, a couple people said, listen, I really I love what you're doing, but I just, I really shouldn't be spending any money on anything like right now. And I'm like, absolutely no pressure, you know, no worries. But thanks for responding. But we got those responses, but we also got these, these, these initial orders. So we launched a campaign. We have $0, right? First order comes in. It's my brother, Brian. Second order comes in. It's Sandy. It's my business partner's cousin. And I'm just seeing that little notification from Indigo come in. I'm like, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. And then all of a sudden we're at 30%. So now yes, $9,000. Yeah. Yeah. We got there. I knew, well, we got there in like a couple hours because I had all of these messages blasted out and people started buying them. Right. So we had the big smile on our face at that point because we knew we got the newsletter, but what we didn't anticipate is because we manufactured this momentum, we were now trending on the Indiegogo platform. So now all Mm. of a sudden I remember this order came in. It was Johannes in Berlin. And then, like, <laughs> I don't know who Johannes is. This is a new person, right? Yeah. And then it started happening and we started yeah. selling, you know, UK, Germany, Japan. So, so you, you did no press, you know, what the normal Kickstarter launch plan. We started that. getting a little bit of press after that. Um, but we on your own volition, or you yeah. proactively, or did it naturally come given the fact that you're trending on Indiegogo? It, a friend of mine who ha- works in PR, he made a couple connections, got a couple little things, and then it got it started getting just a life of its own. Like we were okay. pursuing it on our own. We were trending, and then once we were trending on Indiegogo, and the order started rolling in, then the newsletters came out that just added a ton more traffic. It continued mm-hmm. to let us trend, and those were really powerful. Um, at that point, what we did is we retained a company that does. Um, they do ads that drive to crowdfunding campaigns. And we started putting some money into that because our, our our thinking was we're, if we can, we just got to ride the wave of trending on the platform. Mm -hmm. So the, there's an algorithm, which is a combination of people that are buying things, um, people uh, spending time on your page, the amount of people in the amount of inflow into your page, the amount of traffic. So we're like, let's just keep the traffic coming in. And these ads, maybe they'll help us sell some more, which will be good for us. But let's just keep traffic because we want to continue to trend. The longer we trend, it's like surfing. We're on a wave. Let's not let this wave die. So it was a specialized service for, for buying traffic from where? From Facebook, Instagram, or? Yeah, they, they're, they're called Inventus Partners. Inventus Partners. They had a name at the time. And they, that's what they focus on. They focus on ad. They create ads. And they actually created the ads themselves. We didn't, they didn't use our ads. And we paid them. We pay for our own ad budget. And then we, we give them a percentage of the revenue that they drive. Okay. So based okay. on the UTM codes or whatever. So like a no-brainer. For, for us, it was not just pay, like acquiring those new customers. The real benefit was also the fact that we were flooding our campaign with tons of traffic and the traffic lets us trend. And if we trend, more people are discovering us and buying us and we're not paying them for that, for, for a a piece of, of that revenue. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. 
But once they've made the first purchase, how do you keep them coming back again? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages, and more, way, way more. That's why over 30,000 e-commerce brands like Chobby's, Brooklyn Inn, and Living Proof use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat customers or sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, and less dependence on third-party ads. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get going faster. It's free to get started. So visit klaviyo.com 2x to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash 2x. How much do you think you spent on, on ads or media buying um, over the, the Indiegogo campaign? And how long was the Indiegogo campaign? How long it was did it two look? months and we spent about, I think, like $15,000 maybe. Okay. Okay. Which was like when we made it 400000 So it was... Yeah. I, I, yeah. And it was... And, and, and what kind of commissions did they get? What, what did 15000 generate? I, I don't remember. I can actually... I wish I came prepared with those numbers because it's been so long. I have them, but I don't remember exactly how much they ended up getting paid, but there was 20% of what they drove. They made some good money and they earned every dollar of it because they, it was, it was, it was a really good spend from us. Um, We still made sure that we were profitable on the orders that we were making with them. But even Mm. so, if there's a lot, there's an intangible value to that because of the trending thing. The traffic, like exactly. We maybe let's just say they drove fifty thousand. I'm making that up. This is not the number, but let's just say mm-hmm. they drove fifty thousand dollars in sales from the four hundred or maybe sixty thousand, whatever it was. There might be another forty, fifty thousand dollars in sales that we got just because of that. They're not getting credited for. Exactly, exactly, and and that that's, that equates to about two hundred and fifty dollars a you know a day in spend, which is not bad at all for for the returns. <clears throat> okay, um, so that's out of the way. Let's talk about year one. You, you talked about the evolution of you know where you are. So year one was primarily performance marketing on the Facebook and, you know, Instagram advertising platform. And then, you know, all, all through now you've evolved to, you know, more word of mouth. Your products are fantastic, which is natural to, you know, bring word of mouth and repeat customers and also SEO. So I'd like to talk about, you know, Facebook advertising. You, you said you hired an expert that um, sort of taught you the ropes. Um, did you put it in-house? And um, if you did, what strategies did you put in place to, to really get, you know, Facebook going up to the point that you were seven figures in 12 months? We did it all in-house. So we hired a, we, this guy came highly recommended from a, a another entrepreneur here in Toronto who runs a, she runs a, a business that's it's in clothing too, much more successful than we were at the time, much more successful. Like they're huge now. Okay. Um, and she recommended this what's, guy, but what's, what's the brand name? It's called Nixwear. Nixwear. Okay. They were, I, I looked up to her in so many ways because she, she felt like she was me, but six years ahead, she started mm. the crowdfunding campaign. Her crowdfunding campaign was bigger than mine. It was over a million dollars. Um, okay. They're just, 
she does women's intimates, like, you know, comfortable, like broads and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, she came into my life, just blew my mind with inspiration and advice. And it was like, it was like, I, I just happened to be at a dinner with her and just like, it was like the greatest mentorship ever. Um, but she introduced me to a consultant who, did, who taught Facebook ads. He was way too expensive for us, but I got on the phone with him and said, yeah, we'll plan to get going with you maybe at the end of the year. And he talked about how immediate the returns for Facebook ads were and how it's like, it's more expensive as he was. And we were paid him $5,000 for two phone calls. Each were an hour. So I paid him $2,500 an hour for his advice. Wow. I've never imagined paying anyone that much money, <laughs> but he convinced us that it was worthy because he said, you're going to know that this works within a few days. This is not like something that trust me and wait a few months. It's like, we're going to get you fired up. We're going to get your ads set up. We're going to do this on the phone together and you're going to start seeing the returns. So I'm like, and the, I just, his claims were so bold that I'm like, let's just roll the dice on this. Do, so, do you remember his name? Yeah. Rob green. Rob green. Okay. He's a, he's a genius. Um, with, I haven't, I haven't worked with him in a very long time in a couple of years. Okay. Um, but, uh, and he's probably a lot more expensive now, but mm. he's worked some magic for us. So, okay. um, yeah. So, so you got on the phone with him. So we got on the phone with him and he just taught us everything that we need. And there's some things that we learned. Like, you know, at first he's like, look, you know, sometimes it's the, the click more clickbaity claims and ads are, are the things that work. You know, we maybe wouldn't want to have ventured down that path. You know, some of the ad style that we had, it was a little bit more like be a little loud in your claims, be a little bold in your claims, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that works. It works for a reason. So, and he would do a lot with us of showing us like good tactics on how we can sort of a B test different creative, how to throw ads into the platform. So we could sort of get a, a strong feel of what's working, what's not working and little insights of, you know, we started to notice that a lot of people that were buying off us were a lot older, you know, they were, you know, closer yeah. to 50 years of age. That could be a Facebook thing. So with him, we came up with little tactics. And here's like one example is we said, well, look at the model that we're using. This guy, he's a young man with a man bun, you know, mm -hmm. and he looks like a little hipster traveler kind of guy. But the people that are buying are not these, they're not this guy. They're older. Let's go find an older model. So we found a model that was closer to 50 years of age, you know, a silver fox man with gray mm -hmm. hairs. And uh, the second we launched that ad, our ad performance was blowing up i mean it was that an ad with a man who was of the age that was closer to the people buying our product yeah. had almost double the return on ad spend immediately mm. so we just had like the, the right way of looking at things making the right decisions and that was a heyday with facebook i mean facebook ads don't perform like the, these days the way they did before mm. um but back then, you know, we were seeing, you know, we're getting return on ad spend, you know, it started at like three, then went to four, five, six, up to seven return on ad spend. So every mm -hmm. dollar we're putting in, we're getting six or seven dollars back. back and we were jacking our budgets up. And this is when we started, it just started to sort of explode. We started selling just a ton, just a ton. And our biggest problem then was keeping things in stock. We were like, 
begging our suppliers to like rush our orders, get it in. We're air shipping everything in, you know, we're manufacturing more stuff locally in Canada just to reduce the lead times. Um, we couldn't bring the stuff in fast enough. And that was on the back of Facebook ads and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very fascinating. Yeah. Those were the heydays, but they also found, uh, they, they also gave you the foundation to, to, to trigger that word of mouth and retention marketing because the products were so good. Yeah. Um, so there, that's, you hit on something there, you know, mm-hmm. through this all, you can learn about how to be an effective crowd funder and Facebook yeah. advertising and all that. Yeah. That's just getting you a sale. Yeah. The most important thing is the quality of the product. Because that's uh, returning customers is, is how you're going to build a sustainable business and word yeah. of mouth, yeah. not on just continuing to, if you have a bad product, you're duping people. Exactly. So our, our, I actually think that our, some of our clickbaity ads don't align with how good, like it feels almost like cheapening how good our product is at mm. times. That's how I felt, but yeah. we learned what's effective for Facebook advertising. People will buy our stuff and then the product speaks for itself. That's very important. Yeah. That's the most important. And, and, and how do you it, empower the the customer to to share that experience? You know, um, they they've got lovely merino, breathable, light, you know, um, you know, fabrics or clothes that do not need to be washed for a while. How do they share the experience on your own terms? Well, here's the thing. Mm. It's not. It's it's on their terms. You mm. know, we haven't figured an app or a we haven't done a lot where I can say, here's some marketing strategy that we got to get people to share more. Like we try to do some referral stuff. If you, we have on our website now. So if you refer a friend, they get a $25 gift code and you get $25 if they buy something. Right. So that stuff works a little bit, but at the end of the day, we're selling a pretty expensive t-shirt and it's expensive because not because it's, we're trying to be some up market brand and charge more than what it's worth. It's because the material is very, very expensive. It's expensive for us to make. So it's expensive for the consumer to buy. Um, when people buy a plain t-shirt, like the one I'm wearing right now, yeah. but this t-shirt is more than just a t-shirt in the sense that it solves, it has like a real benefit to the, to that person. So, you know, back in when, traveling was a thing before coronavirus. When I travel, I can pack just a carry-on because I only need to bring two or three t-shirts. And I try, and then you're, you're only traveling with your friend and he has a big suitcase and it's sitting waiting on the luggage carousel and the luggage goes missing. And, or, you know, all of these problems that come with traveling with lots of stuff or the annoyances there within, they want to talk about it. They yeah. want to share. Like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's not like, you know, you're wearing a shirt with your podcast name on it. Right. Yeah. Some people like to wear a shirt that says Supreme because they want to show everyone they spent $200 on a stupid t-shirt. And that's my opinion. I think it's yeah. dumb yeah. Yeah. because you're overpaying for a not great quality thing just because you want to identify. But when you're wearing a shirt that has no visual branding, but it really has a lot of, inherent value in it and that benefits you as an individual people love talking about it they say like look it's like i just bought this shirt 
it was, it was expensive, but it's incredible. Like the way it performs in hot temperatures and cool temperatures. I just pack less stuff. I don't need to wash all the time, which also makes it last longer because the re you close a road yeah. because you throw in the laundry, laundry machine and dryer and it just beats it up. Yeah. This yeah. is like a way of, uh, of, of, you know, you have a shirt. It fits the way that it originally did the, like the first time all that's like for, much longer because it is the first time you put it on. You're not, it's yeah. not, it's not going through the laundry machine and getting beaten up and tossed around. Yeah. So there's a, there's so much to talk about and people love talking about it. So yeah. we make the customer service experience really good. Um, we work really hard at that. We are really obsessive about the product quality because we need it to be that good. It comes in a really nice package, a nice box. It feels premium. Some people say it's like, I felt like I got a new iPhone when I got your, you know, well, it's not, so it's not like, it's not that good of a package. Mm-hmm. It's a nice box that it comes in and we put like a, a nice little booklet and we package it. And it is a very nice experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like, how does the iPhone pull? Well, you know, when you've opened that iPhone box, mm-hmm. but there, we just give people that experience so that, it's it feels like something special for them and then the product speaks for itself and they want to talk about it so there's a lot of utility in in the product and you know people you know um get that value um out you know when they they appreciate the value It, it does match their expectation you know once they they splash that much on on the items and they 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 get everything back and more when they see the product and and that you know um, probably triggers them to want to tell others you know about you know how great the product is okay so um let's talk so let's finalize on on facebook which is you've been advertising on facebook for almost four years what principles um if you were to look at them as pillars in um for um, the success in the return of a Facebook or an Instagram ad, what, what core tenants um, actually hold um, would actually would apply to anybody listening um, to, to implement in in on, on in their stores um, in or their brands in regards to Facebook advertising. So, if you are going, here's my advice: if you are going to be launching a new business, I think you are better off if you aim to launch a business where the price point of the product is higher, I'm, I think if you're going to be creating a a business where the product is, you know, 10 bucks or something, Mm -hmm. it's, it's easier to convert on Facebook with a lower, like a lower price point product, but it's still not easy. So you might be spending $10 to acquire a new customer for a $10 product. And that's a losing proposition because of the nature of our product being expensive and that we bundle it all. Our average order value is closer to $200. So when we Facebook advertise, you know, our, our cost to acquire a new customer used to be like 20 bucks. It's gone up quite a bit. But even when we get gets up to $50, which is very expensive, with the cost of goods sold, it's still, we're at worst break even, but we're usually profitable, even with spending that much money to acquire a new customer. I think it's important to consider what the cost of acquiring a customer is and how that fits into the math with what your cost of goods sold are and everything, right? So, mm-hmm. um it's gone up quite a bit over the years. So expect it to be expensive. 
and factor that in, you know, if you have a good quality product, you're willing to like for us, it's like, if we broke even on a new customer, it's totally fine. Cause we know that what our returning customer rate is. We yeah. know what the, you know, how the value of word of mouth, we know that the, they're going to love our product for the most part, not everyone does, but for the most part, people love, love our product. So you have to get into the game thinking that you're going to spend a lot on Facebook. Cause that's just the landscape now. And does your business model permit you to spend that kind of money? Be it because you're, it's an already an expensive product and you're still profitable. If you're a self-funded business, that's the, the place where you need to be thinking. If you have funding, some people go so far as they take a loss on Facebook ads. That's very common. Yeah. We don't have any investors. We don't have outside capital. We've run all on our own sales. So for us to lose money is just not what we're interested in. Yeah, but that's a very common thing and that's what you're up against. So I always urge people when thinking about if they're thinking from starting something from scratch, it's like it's one of the things I would always default to is let's go after having a high price point product. Yeah. 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 And and also, you know, factoring in that customer lifetime value, you know, how how quickly is this customer on average going to come back to to buy again? Um, so they're, they're a lot more valuable. Um, what about email? What, what, what are you guys doing on the email front at the minute? Well, email is the absolute best thing that what, we have. What, what do you use for, for, for email? Clavio. Platform? Clavio, okay. We they sponsor this podcast. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, they're good. That's not a, they're not paying me to say that. They're, yeah. they're a, a, a great platform. Um, so, so how do you use Clavio? How big is the list today? Our list has gone... It's, it's over 50,000 people now. And that's mm-hmm. all that's, that's customers and people that sign up on our, on our website that, but most actually have been customers. Um, we haven't been aggressive with our email marketing. Mm-hmm. We've been gotten more aggressive with our email marketing once coronavirus hit, when we were starting to think we need to rely on all of the, the different channels that we have. And we avoided it for a while because we didn't want to be annoying and we didn't want people to unsubscribe from our list. That's a fair. (laughs) Yeah, overbearing. We wanted to be just like when it was important to email or was a big product announcement or things of that sort. When coronavirus hit, we started with Klaviyo. We started doing all these Klaviyo flows. So a customer win back. They haven't come in six months. So we're going to send them a gift code. Um, we think that our, the underwear, the boxer briefs we make, we do. We legitimately think they're the best boxer briefs on the market. So, anyone who's bought any anything off us but have not bought underwear, we have an email flow that will show them how great our underwear is or suggest yeah. how great our underwear is. So we started doing a lot more of that, and we started doing weekly emails. Um, if we, there are certain emails we send that before we send it, we know this is going to be a record sales day. Like we mm-hmm. know because the email list is that powerful. So uh, for all of the Facebook advertising that we've done, anything you'll do on Instagram, uh, all of the SEO efforts, everything you do, nothing compares to your email list. It is, there are people that have, are interested in your product or have already bought it and it's a direct channel of communication to them. Mm. Um, so we're getting a lot more serious about how we use it, but still with the fear that we don't want to, we don't want to tire it out. We don't want to be one of those companies where it's like their email comes in and you don't want to open it. 
because there's many of those. And I just always, this is the way I think, you know, through any lens, I always just think it's like, sometimes people get so wrapped up with the mechanics of running a business that they forget that all that matters is what's going on in between the ears of the customer. Like, it's not like, like you could talk about Shopify apps and like strategy and all this stuff. It's like, just pull back, remember what it's like to be a customer and then just reflect on that and and execute based on like what you would want to be bombarding you in your inbox or not as a customer. And I find a lot of brands, I've, I signed up to a lot of mailing lists now because I'm just curious as to how they do their marketing. Yeah. And like some of them, like, I don't even want to open them anymore because I'm like, it's yeah. just junk, right? Yeah. So we're always trying to walk that line between it's like, how much can we send that it's effective yeah. without us becoming junky? Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised as to one angle you guys haven't really tapped into. And, and I think it's a, it's a really core, um, it's really core to the essence of your brand. And that's a sustainability, you know, bits of things. I would think um, the sourcing of, of, of Merino wool is sustainable. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, um, you're, you're not impacting on, on land. Um, you're not, it's not as intrusive as cotton. Yeah, and the um, production of it is 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 much more environmental because we're not using you, the, the you heavy chemicals. You, you exactly, you don't get to wash your your um you don't, the amount of water used to maintain your garments. We never think about the amount of water we used to clean our clothes. Um, you know, it's not required, and these things last. You know, the the, the garments actually last longer. Um, so if you look at a normal t shirts you know, how long does a normal t shirt last? You know, a couple of months. Yeah. You know, and they're biodegradable. They're biodegradable. So there's that sustainable theme and there's a massive market of, you know, um, environmentally conscious customers that, you know, will buy, you know, based on, you know, all those credentials, essentially. Um, Yeah. Well, we do, we we, we don't focus our, we don't make it the the core focus of our brand. Like we don't mm. make a lot of things the core focus of our brand, but mm. if you go on our website, you can see all the certifications. Okay. You can see that we, I mean, it's very important to us, mm. um, but our strategy, it's like, so, you know, one of our, our core values is less, but better. And that transcends through everything we do. But when we, I'm just going to relay that to our, our, our approach to marketing. Mm. It's we're not trying to, you know, slowly we're going to roll out more angles for marketing, but Mm. we found that we were better served by concentrating our efforts on more narrow marketing. So that's why we focus so much of our energy on travel, which we were forced to switch out of. We could focus our energy on sustainability, but we find it's better as a footnote for us because Mm. we got, we really think we're solving um, an immediate and clear need for our customers mm. with the traveling because the art we're, we're targeting people. They're going, they were going on trips. Mm. This will help them right now. And mm. then our customers, like we, we, we know them pretty intimately. I've even gone on the phone with many of them. Did mm. we do a little surveying stuff like that? We're trying to figure out like who's really buying our stuff. They're really smart people. Mm. And they don't, they, sometimes they're buying the stuff as, wow, this is a solution to my travel woes and it makes things easier. But they know that like, once they buy it, they're looking a little deeper. So, well, this is not just about travel. This mm. is about lifestyle in general. And I like that this is sustainable. I like buying something I know doesn't have the same, uh, hold the same weight on the environment 
that synthetics mm. do, which are, are really burdensome to the environment. Mm. They're not biodegradable. The manufacturing process is burdensome to the environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they figure this out on their own and we let the information be there for them. But one of our strategies has always been, let's narrow our marketing. Let's not try to market. Well, it's so good. It's environmental. It's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. It's like yeah. we pick a niche and we laser focus and that's helped us be more effective. Okay. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. My, I think our final touching point um, before we, we get into lightning round is your SEO strategy. You talked about um, SEO taking time. Um, how did you approach it? You know, who did you talk to in the industry before you, you know, you, 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 you got started? I was, a partner, I was a partner in a, a company, Dbrand Skins, and we did uh, tremendous stuff with SEO. Uh, um, I, I used the, so we had a guy that we used. Mm. I'm, I don't have a secret sauce. I don't ha- I'm not the mastermind behind the SEO. Mm. I just knew early on, I said, we're going to invest in SEO and it's going to do nothing for us for years. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I said to my partner, so we're going to start it out. Um, we'll ramp up the budget, you know, every quarter a little bit, but let's just, plug that money into SEO and we don't think about it for two years. Trust Mm -hmm. me here. And they agreed and we hired a great SEO guy and that's, that's it. We don't, I don't have any more to say to that other than it's a worthy investment. You find a guy who is good, invest (laughs) in it and let, and give it the time. And that's all we did. Who's your guy? (laughs) That I can't share because it was, (laughs) So it's, yeah, I see. I see. Not because I, I'm an open book. I would share anything, but because <laughs> he came from the other company and I don't want to okay, 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 divulge his, because okay. he's very, very much was a part of like the growth and he's, uh, he, you know, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone emails me or you, you, hits you, me up, no I'll worries. tell I can okay. connect. I'm happy to connect the business to him. He's yeah. a, he's just a, he's, he's a, he's a phenom. I love him. Awesome. 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 You seem to be, um, so your, your, your homepage focus is Merino wool clothing, Merino wool apparel, you know, which is quite interesting in itself. Well, your, your website looks really, really premium, you know, really well done. Um, yeah. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Let's talk about finally, let's talk about the tech stack. You know, what does your tech stack look like? Um, you're obviously on Shopify. You mentioned Clivio. Are there any other, um, apps that, um, you know, indispensable, you know, um, technology solutions you're, you're using to, to run on Bound Merino? No, none. Uh, you name the two that are indispensable. So here are the three things we touched, we touched on a depth in depth, Indiegogo, Shopify, Clavio. Without yeah. those three, we'd be in a completely different place, but there are others, um, I think we use one called Inquire, which is like a post uh, purchase survey. Um, Refersion we're just starting with, which is like for affiliates, but we haven't had a very strong affiliate program yet. We're just starting with that. Um, I'm going to tell you what I honestly think about the tech stuff. I feel that there some of the, if you could use the tool really well, then yeah. it's worthy, but the tools don't solve any problems. I think what, mm. what matters is the quality of your product and yeah. your ability to market it. Like that's yeah. it. And you don't need apps for that. Sometimes people get too focused on the apps mm. and it, 
it distracts them from like having like a really, really strong business model, which is having the channels to sell the product and having the good product or service. Uh, I so, 100% agree with you. So, so I, I was, when, when I was, I was thinking about, I knew you were going to ask this question. So I was thinking about what are the apps that really matter? And I, and I, and I just sort of jotted a few of my notepad here, stamped refersion and choir Clavio, obviously Shopify, um, yeah. but I don't feel like passionate about them. And, and this is not in any way a diss to the apps. Those are good apps. Inquired provides good information to us. Um, but what matters is your own ability to market and your own ability to create a good product. That's it. So yeah. that's Amazing. kind of a bad answer. Maybe. No, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely spot on and it, it gets you to really think and be product folk driven. I mean, right. And then when companies- you get an app, when you get an app, the app could really do tremendous things for you, but just don't think it's the solution. It's just yeah. a tool. It's just yeah. a tool. And it's almost better to ignore the apps until you really think it's like, like we really, really want to drill into like what, like we're, you know, we have enough customers now. It's like, what are the real things that we need to know after they purchase? Where did mm-hmm. they hear from us? Like that way we can make better decisions on how to spend our money. But we're at a place now where we're getting enough orders where it's like, it's significant enough, the data that we'll get back that we'll make real decisions based on exactly. where we're going to spend our, like, like our people, um, like, should we advertise on podcasts? Like we're going to mm-hmm. do, we'll, we'll, we can now test a little bit of that and we have a post-purchase survey to find out did that, was that actually effective for us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, we're now getting to the point of the real use and the real value of it. But until you have a real inclination that there, this thing is going to be of value to you, if you're not hundred percent sure, it's probably just a waste of time. Just focus on your marketing, just focus on your product. Okay. Finally, is, is there, do you, do you foresee, tapping into other marketing channels beyond um, your, your website, your Shopify website? Well, sorry, I don't understand the question. Do, like, do, do you foresee selling through oh, other like, channels? Like Amazon or something? Not necessarily, yeah. not necessarily Amazon. It could be like retail, uh, retail stores, you know, no. the retail partnership offline, stores, pop-ups, anything. We have zero interest because, you know, I've been in a complicated business before. My other business mm. was, I, I had to work, you know, if I wanted to be really successful, 12 plus hours a day, seven days a week. And, and, and we're trying to create a business model that is, you know, again, going back to the less but better core value that we have. Yeah. Um, the way I look at re- retail and wholesale, it's like, why would I create more complex relationships to sell things at half the price for wholesale? Mm. Right. And then having to stock them with the right image. It's like, it's like, I'm like, there are so many brands and, and you know what coronavirus hit and like, look at all these wholesale accounts for all these brands. It's like, for me, it's like, let's just focus all our energy on direct consumer. Never have to worry about having wholesale relationships. I never have to wine and dine the big buyer from this store or whatever. It's like, no, let's just acquire customers, build their mailing list. It's simpler. And I, and I think sometimes less is better. So that's exactly. our strategy. The only place we're considering retail is in Toronto because we're here and we get a lot of emails of people wanting to come to our warehouse to try clothing on. And mm-hmm. we don't, we're not, we're not set up for that. Like if you come to our warehouse, it looks like a warehouse. We have desks there where we work and we hang out and we love that. We love the space, but it's not a place where you want to bring a customer in. It's not a customer experience. Yeah. So we're thinking about having one retail lo- 
retail location, not our own, but just for now, like maybe we'd get into a store in Toronto so that customers in Toronto will stop emailing us to try on t-shirts. That makes sense. Makes sense. Other than that, we have zero interest. We'll be entirely e-commerce and it's fine. We sell, as I said, in over a hundred countries, we don't need to have retailers. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Great, great, great answer. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing strategy. D2C is, is, is where it's at. It's where okay. it's at. Yeah. It's why, it's why e-commerce is alive. Uh, exactly. To actually e-commerce. All right. Okay. So Dan, um, I'm tremendously, um, you know, just appreciative of you giving us, you know, so much value. You've been, you've been an open book. Um, you've shared a ton, but before I let you go, um, I'd like you to, um, you know, um, just participate in our lightning round if, sure. if you and uh, the format of it is I'm going to ask you a, a question and if you could you know use a single sentence to answer each question it'd be brilliant all right let's do it all right lightning okay so what advice would you give yourself five years ago never get comfortable because comfortable okay comfort is laziness mm. are you a morning person trying to be more of one uh, what's your daily morning routine like? I wake up, I sit on my pillow, I meditate for 20 minutes. I have a thing called the five-minute journal, which is a gratitude thing. I fill that out. So I start my day with 20 minutes of calm stillness and a little bit of gratitude. And then I make my bed like the way that it would be made in a five-star hotel. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I feel... I feel what those three things I already started with three wins mm. and starting with the day with wins is a good momentum to start with. Mm-hmm. What two things can't you live without? I can't live without this little guy right here. Yeah. My dog. Um, <laughs> Bless him. I, I'm pretty simple. I, I, you know what? The only thing that I really, really care to purchase and have in my life is good quality food. I like eating fresh, good food. Um, I'm a big eater. That's all I need. I need, I need good food and lots of water and the rest I can be happy with. Mm. What book are you currently reading? Um, I'm actually rereading a book for the fifth time, getting things done. Okay. Getting things done is the art of stress-free productivity. I, I feel that I've fallen a little off the wagon and this book, every time you read it, it sharpens up your, it's a, it's a, it's a, pl- a program that you can have for being productive, but what I'm doing this time. So I have the book, the, the actual regular book I've read a few times, but this time I got getting things. Here's an interesting thing I learned recently. Mm. If there's a business book you like, and it's popular, there's likely sometimes there's a version for kids or teens. Mm. So I got getting things done for teens and it's the exact same content, but it's about half the length, maybe a third of the length simplified into simple language because sometimes these business books is just keep yeah. going blah yeah. blah yeah. blah yeah. blah blah yeah. blah blah so i'm really getting things done for teens interesting and that's because it's the first time i'm reading this version of it and that's to sharpen up um sharpen the old knives on my productivity i will check it out and link to it in the show notes yeah dan tomiski it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show thank you oh thank you so much i had fun And it's great chatting with you. Appreciate the opportunity. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. 
Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.